from a bar mitzvah at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem to a temple procession in Taipei. The people of our world are passionate about their beliefs. Are you listening? Tune in to the sounds of your world on Radio Taiwan International. Thanks so much for joining us today here on Radio Taiwan International. Up ahead this hour, it's hashtag Taiwan, Taiwan Explained, and In the Spotlight. But first, we take you over to Here in Taiwan. Welcome to Here in Taiwan. Today is Thursday, June 25th. Joining me in the studio today is Paula Chow. Hello. And my name is John Van Trieste. Up next, the man who now holds Taiwan's longest name, then why Taiwan's young people don't feel that they're international enough. And it's a long-standing part of Taiwan's culture, but some feel it should be abolished. We're going to tell you all about name chops in just a moment. up today, though, I have to say that I'm feeling very lucky that we're sitting in a nice, cool, air-conditioned studio. Oh, yes. Temperatures <laughs> jumped to 38 degrees Celsius. I think so. What day was that? It was earlier than the week, wasn't it? Was it Tuesday? Was it Tuesday? Yeah. Oh, I know. But uh, even given the high temperatures and heat warnings, a lot of schools across Taiwan, this comes as a shock to me, do not have air conditioning. Oh, yes. A lot of them don't. Right. And... Um, so members of the National Federation of Teachers Unions had to actually hold a rally the other day outside of the executive unit in the cabinet in Taipei, calling on the government to make these air conditioners a basic requirement at elementary and junior high schools. Uh, as you said, Paula, uh, the temperature recently hit uh, 38.4 degrees Celsius in Taipei. It's the highest temperature recorded so far in the city this year and the second hottest temperature recorded in Taipei in June, since records started. So for June, that's a, the second highest since 1896, which was Ooh. when we first started you know, recording these things down. Uh, the Federation chanted, and I think this is probably a bit more catchy in Chinese, <laughs> quote, while civil servants sit in air-conditioned rooms, students are in an inferno. Oh, <laughs> It's, it's, yeah. Right. Um, and because the weather is not just hot because uh, Taiwan is in a subtropical you know, region. So it's not just hot, it's humid and stuffy. And in the south, we, actually, right. we're not, it actually goes past the subtropical into right. the just plain tropical. It's almost unbearable. Yes. Um, and we have almost, this is amazing to me, two million elementary and junior high schools that do not have air conditioning in their classrooms. Two million. Wow. Yeah. That's a problem. And they've been calling on the government to do something about this. I mean, the Federation, since 20, at least 2018, when they actually told the central government that they needed to take care of extreme weather as, a, as an issue and install air conditioners to deal with it in every classroom. Still, very little has been done. And um, I mean, it's not like the government doesn't know anything about it. Like the central government, I mean, mm -hmm. uh, because I think local governments are involved in schooling. And so President Tsai Ing-wen, when seeking re-election, was asked about it and said, yeah, well, it's a bit difficult because local government's financial status varies, so the installation rate also varies. So, but that wow. was like 
that was a while ago now. Right, but they should um, at least do something. Now, in Taipei, um, well, at least the claim is, I'm not sure if anyone's gone and tested this, that they say 100% of junior high schools and 92% of elementary school classrooms have air conditioners. Right. That's because you know Taipei it's is the rich. capital city. That, yeah, that's a different story. <laughs> but if you ju- this is right. this is where I live in New Taipei, right? Mm-hmm. You just have to go right beyond the city limits. In some cases, you can like where I live, you can see into Taipei. It's how close it is across a bridge. Mm-hmm. Only ten percent of schools have air conditioning. Wow, that's a big difference. That's a big difference. It's so right. bad, and and you can imagine New Taipei is the most populous you know, municipality in, right. in, in Taiwan, also not a poor place. Mm-hmm. When you go further and further away from the capital, the situation <laughs> gets a little bit gets more desperate. Worse. Yeah. In, in Taichung, which is by no means a, uh, it's a pretty up and coming area, mm-hmm. but the situation is so bad that they've had to, actually had to ask temples to donate the money for air conditioners because at the rate that they're going, it would take the city 15 years to install air conditioning in every single classroom with the budget that it has. 15 years? 15 years. Wow. That's 15 more summers where kids might get heat stroke. Well, I think our government should think twice. I mean, next year. Right. Before deciding, you know, which sector, uh, which government or which institution should get the money for Mm. something. Yeah, because, I mean, for instance, um, our roads are forever being torn up and repaved, even though there's nothing wrong with them, just because they don't want they don't want to say, well, we didn't use the road repair budget next year. Whoever's in charge of that. Yes, that happens to my neighborhood almost, you know, every year. I don't know why they, you know, they torn down something and they... Rebuild it. Yes. Say, well, we had, that was our repair budget. They don't want to lose it the next year. That's the thing. If they don't use it, then, they, then oh, whoever's yeah. in charge will say, right. well, that, you, you that, must not need that much. That's the problem, right. And so, like, they're forever... And it's very inconvenient because, like, it's, like, blocking off stuff. You have to go mm-hmm. through detours, all for a road that wasn't... There was nothing wrong with it in the first place. So, yeah, that money can definitely go to air conditioning. Uh, even in Gaosong, only 40% of classrooms have air conditioners, too. So we're talking in some of the... I mean, you can imagine once you go to some rural areas what the what the rate must be. So, yeah. Um, I, I actually have passed out in a classroom before when the air conditioning wasn't on. Really? It, wasn't, it was not in Taiwan. Oh, okay. Uh, it was in Japan, and it was the year that they had that big earthquake. And so even though I don't think the power grid is connected uh mm-hmm. it's a different part of the country entirely i guess in solidarity and also to save the environment and so forth like all power like air conditioning was limited and i just remember sitting in a class and i suddenly everything started going dark and the next thing i know the teacher's standing over top of me are you okay <laughs> so yeah, I, I have first-hand experience of how that can be if you're mm. not if it's not well ventilated it just happens very suddenly. So, uh, yeah, I think it is. It's, I mean, it's much harder here. So, yeah, I think it's something that uh, should be made a priority. Now, I thought I knew who had Taiwan's longest name. Uh, it was a very infamous... I don't know. Uh, can you call him a joke candidate? Because I think he, he was sort of serious. Um, he was a perennial candidate for president and I think other things too. I think he ran for a uh, um, legislator. It was the legislator. legislator. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, right. I just remember, I mean, it's, it's hard to forget. A, the name is very um, long and memorable, but also his antics. He dressed up like the god of wealth and started throwing money. That was what he did with his allotted debate time right. and singing. <laughs> but still, his name is not the longest. No, he's been no. dethroned. Right. It's only 15 uh, Chinese characters only. Recently, there is a YouTuber um, who has a channel called The Big Trouble uh, went to um, uh, a household registration office um, in his neighborhood to change his name to 
something like 敬畏台湾台东之子大麻烦要投油吐蕃欧萨斯 altogether nineteen Chinese characters. Can you give us a translation? A rough. Um, he said that Jingwei is probably his original first name. Okay. And in Tai Taiwan, and then Taiwan Taidong Zizi, which means some of, of Taidong, like he's, so he's from Taidong. That's his hometown, maybe. Right. And Da Ma Fan, which means means big trouble. That's the name of his、oh, cha- YouTube channel. And then Yao Tou Yao Tou Bo. I don't know what that means, but in <laughs> Osas. But anyway, altogether nineteen characters. I mean. I mean, seriously, this guy,、um, that guy, went to the House of Registration office to change his name. Well, you can do that,、There's、you no know. Rules against it. Right, right. But think, it what t- three times is the limit?、Uh, I think so. There is, yeah, there is a limit. But、right. I think that's probably the first time he changed his name. But anyway, because his name、um, contains nineteen Chinese characters, so it took the House of Registration office four hours to finally,、um, you know, give. Give him、um, their approval. Four hours. Had de- was there was it because they had to debate whether this should be allowed? I'm not sure it's whether it has a debate or don't or they don't know how to do about it. Because now think about this: the House of Registration Office said because you know we our Taiwanese ID card we have you know、uh, there's a section you you put your name, but、right. th- th- that's the space is not it's not it's it it's it's probably big enough for. Three or four Chinese characters, or even five. For nineteen、mm. Chinese characters, they can't even type it. There's no space to type it, so they have. To, they actually, you know, wrote、uh, wrote his name on his a new ID card by hand. Wow! So that's it, it is a big trouble. <laughs> trying to like update his bank account and his like get、oh. a pa- get a passport. Right. That's、um. what you know. He actually showed his new. ID card with his new name, handwritten, <laughs> right, and, and his um, you know, um, YouTube channel, and then he、uh, he also said that yes, there are some troubles. For example, if you want to get the package, you have to sign your name, you have to sign the full name. Yeah. So it takes you forever to sign your name. Also, when he makes a Um, an appointment with his dentist, and of course, you know, people will ask you, "Well, t- tell me your name," and then you know they have to write it down. Right. So it's actually it is a trouble because like just like his YouTube channel, it, it is a it is trouble. And there is、uh, there was one time when he and his friends、um, they actually they they went to a place, and then there、um, there was a random police、um, checkpoint there. And then, so the police asked him to show,、um, ask him to show. He,、uh, the, the policeman wants to show,、uh, see his ID card.、Right. And then, when the police saw his ID card,、uh, the police says, "What is this? This must be fake." Right. right? They thought it must be fake. Not only、and、is it then, ridiculous, but it's、uh, and long, but it's handwritten too. It's handwritten because、right. they couldn't get, fit all the characters with the、right. machines. But the but later the police found out that's his real name. So okay. He、um, he let him go, but that's just. I mean, <laughs> this guy said, "Well, he wants to, you know, just."、Um, he think this is part of what he called action art. Okay. But I don't know what that actually means, but this is you know performance I mean, art.、Like、performance art, action art. Changing his name is performance yes, art. Okay. Right, but guess what? His what his family、um, has to say. His family said, if possible. They wants him to change back. <laughs> Do not use the nineteen Chinese word name. That's too long. And well, and his his original family name seems to be missing there too. I don't see any family name yes. in there, or any at least not a common one. Not not a common one. I just don't understand. So what's why... his surname then?、Uh, Which、I、part of that is his? 
I don't given... know. <laughs> Probably Ching. I, I don't know. But anyway, but guess what? Other YouTuber says, well, I guess you you have a, a channel that is called the, a Big Trouble. You are in big trouble. Yeah, I guess so. And they also said, um, there's another one said, well, I'm sure that I mean, when you get a passport, that's just, you know, it probably will take you forever to to get one. And then and, and there's another guy said, well, if you open your bank account, um, then it's, you know, it would take you forever. Yeah, well, like mine, for instance, they, when they have those passbooks. I have my uh, English and Chinese names on there, and it runs off the edge, mm -hmm. <laughs> like off the edge of, oh, the, yes. like way right. past the, where the column goes, just because right. they're not built for that. But I think it's something that they should consider, and I think they, I'm surprised they haven't actually, because a lot of people who are of indigenous descent, for instance, mm -hmm. like, uh, for instance, uh, Kolasiotaka, mm -hmm. uh, they use their indigenous names, which are Romanized, right? Not using Chinese characters necessarily, right? And those can be longer than four or five, right? Characters. Six or seven characters. The they are probably fine, but 19 words, right. that's far too long. For someone with a longer name, you know, and it's their own name. So I think maybe that is something they should think about. Maybe not for, for the purposes of performance art, but just for indigenous names. Mm -hmm. Well, the king... Car Cultural and Education Foundation, a very fun foundation to say, has polled Taiwanese teenagers about their sort of international outlook. And the results that they've gotten are not great. Uh, they say that they are dissatisfied with their own international outlook and attribute their, this to their unfamiliarity, especially with foreign languages. Now, this comes to me as a big surprise because the government says that we're going to be officially bilingual by 2030, don't they? So I think uh, this is a bit of a wake-up call. And English is a required course. Oh, yes. Right. And, and many people study other languages, too. I mean, for instance, if you want, you can take a lot of Southeast Asian languages now, for instance. Um, but, yeah, they said that actually uh, it's worse because apparently this isn't the first time they've done this exact same poll. And we've actually had a drop to 3.7% to about... Uh, how our students feel about their global perspective. So this year we're at 64.1%. Not really a passing grade, is it? And uh, almost 60% of students here who responded think that the language barrier is especially responsible, while 47% says that they don't understand foreign cultures. And that's a big obstacle as well to international, sort of having an international mindset. 34% uh, also said they don't have any experience living abroad, but you're students. So unless your family mm. travels like your one of your parents works, I don't see that how that would happen. I mean, living abroad, traveling maybe. And um, it's interesting what they think that they should know about that maybe they don't feel that they do because they were asked about what they feel is the most important global issue. Not surprisingly, in the times we live in, COVID-19 and everything else going around, uh, more than 60% said that medical hygiene, like global health issues, are their biggest global issue of concern. While about 46% said climate change, and 40 said, more than 40% said, said they believe Taiwan's participation in the WHO would help its global reputation and recognition. I think they've hit on to something here, which is that... Uh, you know, um, they do we're watch not, the news. Yeah, well, we're not part of any of these, you know, global events. We're kind of on our own, like left to our own devices a lot mm. of the time. So um, I, I think also um, the the language is kind of alarming because, like you said, uh, in, there's a big push, especially right now, to make everyone better at English, including people working in the government and right. so on. I, I remember when our 
Vice President William Lai was China mayor. He um, a couple years ago, at that time, he said he wanted to uh, make English the second official language well, in the southern city. Sixty percent of young people, and these are probably the most internationally minded of all. I mean, we have YouTube now; you can watch foreign、mm-hmm. things on Netflix. You know what I mean? Like it's a lot easier、right. than it used to be.、Um, and even still, almost sixty percent say that the language barrier is a very significant issue. The other thing、uh, with foreign cultures, I also sort of agree on.、Um, I think I find that when I watch the news, for example, in Taiwan, a lot of things that the government or officials do that really would play well here in Taiwan, when it turns becomes our turn to try to explain it to all you guys out there,、um, sometimes I can. It just seems like kind of bizarre to me. And I, what comes to mind first of all is the whole fruit thing.、Mm. With a, do you remember when we first started?、Um, Um, getting the string of days where we had no new cases of COVID nineteen,、mm-hmm. and what did our health minister do? He, he、um, brought out fruit. Oh yes,、right. and Taiwanese people、yes. ate it up. And <sighs> I've lived here for eight years now, and I was like, "What fruit?" <laughs>、um, so again, just very different. There are some things that just don't translate、right. um, culturally speaking. I think、uh, generally, in at least the maybe because we are we're in Taipei. Uh, young people here are are probably maybe a bit more、uh, up with things. They see more foreign faces and interact more. But、uh, I think generally there is still a little bit of a, 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 a and well, we're in islands, an insular mindset. It makes sense, right? So not surprisingly, they say that exposure to information outside of Taiwan is also beneficial. I think we do tend to get wrapped up in our own our own minor things. Like while they were the they were talking about the protests in the U.S. Uh, tension on the Korean Peninsula, and the next item on the news was kite strings. They can、yeah. hurt people. I mean, like that's 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 kind of to me sums up what what sometimes we can be like here. And yeah,、mm. we don't realize how good we have it, but also we don't realize,、uh, you know, what's going on in the wider world so much. Right, but you mentioned language barrier, so there has some something must be wrong with our, you know, English language. I mean, education. I think. I don't know.、Right. I don't know. I th- I, I think,、uh, but we have so many more tools and access to the internet and Netflix. I think that if that、uh, maybe we need to rethink how we how we expose kids to English. You know, there are so many cram schools, and also parents have always placed an emphasis on English. So, but you know, I, you know, I taught English here for about、mm-hmm. a year, and a lot of the stuff I was just like, this is weird, <laughs> or I wouldn't say it that way, or it's just not.、Oh, it's not.、Yeah. It's not quite right.、Mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe we do need to have a bit of a rethink. Well, for those of you out there who aren't quite familiar with them, name chops—I think that's what they're called—are sort of seals, own personal seals, carved with your name. You stick them in red ink and use it to officially, in lieu of a signature, for instance, you know, sign on a document or something. Do Open, you have one? I do. I had to when I opened my bank account. Right. I think I have two or three. You know. Anyway, but recently there,、um, there, there has been a, a call for abolishing those.、Um, um, Uh, abolishing those、uh, chops because、um, you know one high tech guy said I mean、uh, th- these chops are not they are outdated because you can use signature、right. actually for individuals if you go to a bank to open your bank account、uh, you can either bring your own chop or you can、um, you know sign your name either way is fine that's new since I've been here <laughs> right used to, you used to have to have one used is, to have、yeah. yes but if you want to、um, open the business to start up、uh, to Uh, to ha- to to have your own company, then you have to 
have in the official shop. Right. For, sometimes they require you to have two or three. But anyway, um, you know, one high tech guy said, you know, some people are saying that maybe, um, you know, Taiwan can replace Hong Kong to become Asia's financial center in the future. However, he said the answer is no. And he said the reason why is because of the the chop. That's the only reason? Right, that's why he said... He <laughs> that's said, a lot of a bit of a stretch. Well, he, it's a little bit stretch, but he said that, you know, nobody actually, you know, you know, uh, I, I don't think, maybe Hong Kong no longer uses that, know. but in Taiwan, you do need... You do need one. Yeah, but I, right. I would dispute that, though, because Japan's doing okay, and in Japan, they're absolutely necessary. They also use it, yes. Yes, but recently, and for everything. I don't even know if you can do signatures with a lot of stuff. And right. if you lose one, getting one they replace, I've heard, is a real hassle. Right, it is a hassle, so, because even in Taiwan, if you if you have two or three chops, if you have a company, uh, and, and, and if you want to do something, you have to use that chop to register with the government. Right. And if you lose that one, and you have four or five chops, you don't know which one to use yeah. it, it is a hassle and well the other thing is if it's a personal chop mm-hmm. um in taiwan this is i don't think this is the case in japan in taiwan there are actually for some odd reason uh that there are people who specialize in carving them uh they're the same people who are locksmiths for some reason you know what i'm talking about there's mm. these little locksmith slash hardware store slash name mm. carvers right they'll do one for you and they don't ask any questions right and you just right. wait for about 15 to minutes to half an hour mm. you come back pay them it's done so it's very easy to forge i could i could tell them my name is paula chow and they wouldn't <laughs> you know it's what i'm saying very easy to forge nowadays because they are it's all you know stand like, the character fonts right, and everything they are, are they're all the same so right. i would argue that i mean doing retina scans or these are high-tech people right or your thumbprint is probably right. a safer idea they're in there you can't it's harder to Mimic those, isn't it? Right, but the reason why you know uh, people use um, use it uh, all have you know their personal chops is because it has something to do with uh, Taiwan's um, illiteracy rate in the early days. Because oh. you know back, I mean, um, decades ago, maybe people just uh, you know it's more easier. It's much more easier to you know simply use a chop instead yeah. of assigning your name. Well, I think it's part of East Asian culture that goes way back. Oh know, yes, kings and emperors had right. them. And so forth to make right. things official, right? So, however, a Suzhou University finance professor said, um, finance professor said, because you know Taiwan, um, uh, due to Taiwan's aging population and you know senior citizens, citizens, they are used to using chops. Yeah, and also it will make things easier. Maybe they want to withdraw their money. They want they don't want to go to the bank. They can simply give the chops to their children or friends. So they can, yeah, but again, you know, so that allows you to impersonate someone else. Not a right. great idea. It's like forging someone's signature, right? Oh, yes. I still think, you know, if these high-tech companies, you know, what you, at, at the border, for instance, we have to have our retina scanned and facial recognition and all that. I think that's probably the way right. things are moving. But before that, we still need our personal chops. That's true. Uh, again, I don't know if that's going to stop us from... that's. <laughs> Again, it hasn't stopped Japan, like I said, from becoming a major world economy, but uh, I do see reasons for their abolition, for certainly. Well, that just about does it for today's edition of Here in Taiwan. I'm John Van Trieste. And then Paula Chow. Stick around, because coming up next, it's Hashtag Taiwan, Taiwan Explained, and In the Spotlight.
Hello and welcome to Hashtag Taiwan. I'm your host, Leslie Liao. Thank you for joining me. Last week, there was news about how Taiwan's Ministry of Foreign Affairs wanted to standardize business card formats for the country's diplomats. People got nervous because they noticed that the standards did not include the mention of the name Taiwan. This might seem confusing to some people, but the fact of the matter is that Taiwan's official name as a country is the Republic of China. The reason for this is because of the complex nature of Taiwan's history. I'll be explaining more in today's segment. Taiwan is more of a colloquial nickname that people just got used to saying. This got me thinking though, in prior months there have been movements among citizens to replace the name the Republic of China with Taiwan. On all official documents like passports and national IDs, the name Republic of China still takes center stage. This week, I'm going to tell you about the different documents and proper nouns people are calling on the government to change. All this and more coming up next on Hashtag Taiwan. Don't go away. This week on Hashtag Taiwan, I want to talk to you. Well, I want to talk to you about Taiwan. Let's start off with a quick history lesson. Officially, the country of Taiwan is not known as Taiwan. It's actually the Republic of China. Why? This goes back to the Chinese Civil War where both Mao Zedong and Chiang Kai-shek fought for sovereignty over China. Mao's forces pushed Chiang Kai-shek to the island of Taiwan. Both sides claim to represent China, which is exactly why you have the Republic of China and the People's Republic of China. That's the very abridged version of that chapter in Chinese history. If you're interested, I urge you to read more. For example, on Wikipedia where Taiwan's status recently changed from a state to a country. Some have suggested doing away with the name the Republic of China and calling the nation by the name Taiwan. They want the country to forfeit its claim over China and just focus on the sweet potato shaped island. RTI published a news article this week about how civic groups are calling on lawmakers to emphasize Taiwan on passports and airline names. Back in April, there was an entire movement to change the name of the national air carrier China Airlines to Taiwan Airlines. During the pandemic, Taiwan has donated medical supplies to countries around the world, and people get confused when shipments arrive on planes labeled China. Now some people have gone so far as to Photoshop what a Taiwan Airlines jet might look like. There was even a crude template of a Taiwan jet circulating online that people could use to color and design their own jet planes with. Transportation Minister Ling Jialong posted these three concepts that use the template. My personal favorite is the bubble tea jet that can fire tapioca balls at a rate which I can only assume is 300 units of deliciousness per minute. This is what a Taiwanese passport looks like. Many people are unhappy with the fact that the Republic of China is emphasized over Taiwan. In fact, people have gotten in trouble in the past for putting stickers on their passports to cover the parts that say Republic of China. One local artist reimagined the Taiwanese passport by overhauling it with a design inspired by what else? Bubble tea. Diplomacy is one area where there is very little wiggle room for your country's name. Your official designation is your official designation. The Ministry of Foreign Affairs in Taiwan refers to the country officially as the Republic of China, Taiwan. Taiwan is in parentheses afterwards as kind of a way to say this China, not that China. Now, as a Taiwanese person myself, I can understand this all seems a little too confusing. The diplomatic and historical intricacies of Taiwan as a country are very complex to say the least. Even I don't have a full grasp on it yet. And that's all we have for this week's Hashtag Taiwan. Thank you so much for listening. Now, if there's any questions or comments or maybe you'd like to make a suggestion of what I can cover for Hashtag Taiwan, you can always contact me at the RTI Facebook fan page, which is facebook.com slash Radio Taiwan International. 
You can also go to the Taiwan Insider Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Taiwan Insider. Maybe if you just want to swing by and say hi, I do check those inboxes. Anyway, until next week, stay safe, stay healthy, stay happy. I'll see you around. pilgrimage is finally underway after being canceled due to the COVID-19 outbreak. The procession of the Goddess of the Sea is one of the top three religious festivals in the world. Usually about one million people take part in Mazu's birthday celebration and journey, visiting about 100 temples over 300 kilometers. It features free food, ceremonies, and fireworks. One thing you'll often see is people prostrating under her sedan chair to obtain her blessings. But that and many other aspects of the pilgrimage have changed this year due to the pandemic. Let's have a look. The Mazu pilgrimage is a nine-day, eight-night religious procession that takes place every year. An idol of the sea goddess Mazu is transported on a palanquin from Zhenlan Temple in central Taiwan to Fengtian Temple in the south and back again. This year, organizers delayed and then streamlined the pilgrimage in light of the COVID-19 pandemic. One of the silver linings to the downsized festival is that Mazu is getting where she needs to go much faster. The procession arrived at its first stop three hours ahead of schedule. This tunnel, which is usually packed to the gills, took just three minutes to traverse. During the pilgrimage, people prostrate in front of Mazu's palanquin, receiving her blessings as she passes overhead. Organizers had prohibited that this year, but then they eased the rules to allow people to crawl under it during breaks. A few devout worshippers decided that wasn't enough. They made a break for it, diving under the palanquin before they could be stopped. Despite the organizers' best efforts, prevention practices have slipped. Food is left uncovered and out in the open, while people crowd inside the Zhanghua County Government Building to rest. Fear of COVID-19 has seemingly been outmatched by local faith. The Sound of the Amis Tribe on Radio Taiwan International. Listen, are you listening? <laughs> this is the sound of my country. This is the sound of Taiwan. Taiwan, a small island with a whole world of sounds. This is Radio Taiwan International.
Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. Today, my guest is Janet Chen. She likes to be known as Jen. And she's the creative director for films and projects, uh, different projects in LA, Los Angeles. And she's here in Taiwan only because of the pandemic. So <laughs> she's been here since, what was it? Um, February. A couple, February, okay. Yeah. And been stuck here, but actually for the better, right? For the better, yes. Right. Um, so um, basically, um, you were here visiting family and you were here with your husband. And so you never thought that you would be spending so much time in Taiwan. And yet you're finding a lot of good things about Taiwan, right? Yes, I love Taiwan. It's always been my motherland for the longest time. Um, as a third culture kid, I always travel around the world. So this is actually the longest time I've spent in Taiwan since uh, I was a kid. And it's been great so far. Wow. Yeah. I think that's wonderful that um, this opportunity came up so they can be here. I'm so surprised that you've been away for so long and never really spent, you know, a time in your home country until now. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, why don't we uh, start with a little bit of background before we get to all the things that you're doing in life now? Because <laughs> it's kind of hard to just jump right into that without giving a little bit of background, I suppose. Yeah. But uh, you were saying that actually um, your dad was a diplomat. Correct, and, yes. Um, and so, like, right after you were born, you guys moved to the Netherlands. Yes. But ever since then, you've lived in the States, Indonesia, Moscow, and I don't know what other countries have, you have lived in, but... Hong right? Kong. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Hong Kong, of course. Yes, yeah, yes, right, yeah. right. Mm -hmm. um, so, anyway, what was your major? What um, did you I, study? I actually did fashion merchandising and business during college, and then... Um, I had film and photography on the side as like a oh you did habit yeah like a hobbit, and then um, surprisingly for through some connections I had a friend that helped me get into um, in touch with American Institutes of Film in the states, and that's when I started doing set photography for them and moved forward from there. So uh, ever since I was young, I was always kind of in between film and design <laughs> for like the longest time and then I did come back to Taiwan for actually about a year and work as a designer here too oh so, right right yeah yeah uh, for a famous uh, fashion designer here yes yeah, yeah, yeah right yeah. but that's a very interesting combination design and cinematography very it has ex uh, exposed me to very different <laughs> <laughs> cultures right uh, yeah I, I definitely have seen a lot in my lifetime so far uh, and tra have traveled a lot, like even though in my youth, but also like as a grown, like as I grow up, when I travel a lot with my husband for film stuff, like we've been to Turkey, we've been to Thailand, we also been to Patagonia and all that. Uh, I haven't been to New Zealand yet, although I hope to go very soon. Mm. Um, yeah, so these are places that we go from time to time. And when we go to a place, we don't just go for visiting. Sometimes we try to stay there for a few weeks or a few months if we can. Uh -huh. uh, and then we get to like assimilate into the culture and kind of learn who they are as people. And, you know, kind of find that common thing that connect human souls together as a whole. And make a documentary? <laughs> from time to time yes um mo mainly it's more for environmental issues at the moment um uh -huh. there's a few things that we're doing uh, just to 
I guess, like race awareness in terms of the climate change that's happening and then the natural resources we're losing. Was it because double majors are very common then? That's why you study, you know, I mean, what was it now? Design and cinematography. Or you have an interest in cinematography since you were little. I actually was completely self-taught. Both my dad and my grandfather are actually like photography enthusiasts. So my dad, when he was younger, he actually knew how to use all the Leica cameras. Uh, they developed film, you know, in dark rooms and everything. So ever since I was young, um, I've been exposed to art. As a When I was like three or four, I have pictures of me and my mom um, traveling around Europe just on film uh, mm. and they're like pretty nice photos too so yeah those yeah. are nice to keep you know as memory definitely oh, for sure for sure oh, yeah. yeah but it's oh, confusing yeah. too because you're like i don't know where i was <laughs> at the time so yeah now we're kind of like jumping way ahead because you already kind of touched on it about yeah. what you're doing with the husband yeah and um because you do a lot of things, okay? And the thing <laughs> is that right now, and I had to ask you what exactly you want to talk about because, you know, 30 minutes is not very long. Yes, yes, and of course. Yeah, but uh, you're doing a lot about awareness. Now, how does this whole thing start? I mean, what happened? Did something happen that made you become so aware of where you are about the environment and all that kind of stuff? I mean, or mm -hmm. did you grow up being like that because your parents are like that? Or I don't know. What, what, what oh, happened? That's a good question. Yeah. Um, so um, I actually, my family has a farm in Tainan ever since we were young. Um, so we get to visit from time to time. And during the time, I even though I was young, I was able to see like the how an ecosystem works, you know, without pesticide, without, without um, human interference, and without like mass fa uh, factory farming. And um, ever since I was young, I was always like a lover of animals. And I think it wasn't until I became a filmmaker or slash creative director where I'm involved in projects and uh, sometimes for like organizations that are charity uh, to, for animal rescues and everything. That's when I really became aware, oh, like we're, we're doing something wrong in this world in general that um, we there there's there must be something we can do as humans to make the world a better place instead of like making all these animals suffer and then like also causing you know viruses to jump from animal to animal and spread it uh basically causing unnecessary pandemics if that makes sense huh it's yeah. interesting how you said i'm uh, talking about pandemics here okay <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a coincidence not, not pandemic but you know like yeah. you know, like climate I mean, change yes, and all that yeah. stuff i think those are very important for people to understand that, oh yeah absolutely you know. yeah well that mm -hmm. was a big jump from how you were a kid and you have parents of a farm to making you aware of the environment how did you happened to do these documentaries so that you made you became more aware of you know of the environment well initially i just became an activist uh so i go ah. to protests i go to like for the yulin festival protests i've been to multiple ones in once when i was in los angeles to, uh, to the chinese legislation um unfortunately it didn't really work out well for all of us um uh, there's a few like organizations that I donate to on a monthly basis that actually reveals like what happens like you know in uh in Africa in China um actually in Vietnam as well there's a there's a few locations where 
um, animal rights are not being protected and then you get to see it. Um, I have a few friends that are documentary makers. So um, in the film industry, like as artists, we're always curious about everything, right? So it's always like, oh, here, by the way, have you seen this? Let me show this to you. And then that's when I realized, oh, there's documentary on food waste. There's documentary on wildlife trade and then like um everybody can do this too like they can watch bbc the planet earth you can see how the planet is de deteriorating due to like human activities mm. yeah yeah you're talking about bbc's planet earth i mean that's a great show i love you it, know yeah. it's beautifully done yeah. but um but you're right it makes you more aware about you know the fact that the earth is really beautiful and we should be preserving that yes but uh, what are we doing you know to do that I'm just curious, you know, this awareness in mm -hmm. you, mm -hmm. um, has it changed your way of living? Has oh, it changed your yes. diet? Has it, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What has changed? Uh, first what, of all, yeah. we actually, in my household, we don't really use plastic or uh, styrofoam anymore. Mm -hmm. That's, we've been doing that for about two years now. Okay. Uh, we grow our own herbs at home. We have a client that's um, very generous and he actually, he has his own business in like uh, sustainable farming. So he always like, he provides these kits to to schools and and homes where you can actually grow vegetables at home. And he also gave us, gave us a hydroponic system um, to the, to learn how it works, like having a fish, having like a clam or something that filtration in the system. And then you uh, learn to, how to grow herbs on top of it and just harvest it as you go and you never have to go to the grocery store again. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so so I've, I've learned how to do that as well, just through um, random connections here and there. Yeah. So um, have you stopped eating meat? I actually, I'm pretty proud to say that I've, I would say I'm about 98% there just because at the moment I'm in Taiwan and then there's just so many variety. I'm not here to condemn anyone that eats meat or mm -hmm. uh, don't understand why meat is such a problem. Um, but it because it is part of a representation of every single cuisine in the world and like people like to show their culture and it's a way of showing affection for many people too. In Taiwan, for example, I only eat meat when my mom cooks because, you know, I out of respect. You, I yeah, I know. You don't want to insult her. Yes. I, I don't want to get avoid, upset. Yeah, I don't, you know, like she made this chicken soup. I'll, I'll, I'll eat it, you know, I'll uh -huh. drink the soup. But uh -huh. that's like to the extent of how much I eat meat, I guess. You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. What about other things in life, you know, everyday life that you've changed because of your awareness? So we have electronic cars. That's one thing. Um, you you, oh, you own? Mean, we own, yeah, we have. Oh, now A, that is. Yeah, yeah, back in the States. Yeah. yeah. So we, we have electronic cars. All we, right. we have zero emission for the last two or three years, I mm -hmm. would say. So mm -hmm. I, it's funny to say, I don't even know how to pump gas anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I know, um, I know. So that yeah. way it's like, I think in a way it's helping out with climate change. Um, sorry, that's diverting from like the meat um, issue. But um, on top of that, I guess through my own platform, how I've changed my life is I've also tried to use my social media, which is something I'm trying to get back into. 
uh, just because I was working for so long, I didn't have time to keep up with it. Mm. But now that I do, I use it to raise awareness on how farm animals are treated, how uh, there's like poaching in Africa, how there's illegal wildlife trading all over Asia um, for like medicines or, you know, just for delicacy purposes. Mm-hmm. And that I think has dramatically changed my lifestyle in terms of who I am as a person, but also uh what I want to present to the world because we have the platform to do so. Uh, we can make films about it. Uh, we have the skill to like, you know, shoot and edit and present it to the world, uh, hopefully. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing that has led me to a very nomadic lifestyle in a way where we get to travel around a lot mm-hmm. to shoot and then cooperate, uh, co- cooperate with like scientists and other filmmakers that are also passionate about these things. Oh. Yeah. Can you talk about one particular project that you were, you guys were working on? Um, so the most recent one that we're doing at the moment, uh, actually my husband was one that when he went to New Zealand with two of his friends, um, uh, and they had to like fly helicopter and everything to like just film the glaciers. Mm. Um, that is something that we've been working, uh, we've been working on, um, for, I think a, a, almost about a year. And uh-huh. then, um, yeah, you do need a long time span to oh, yeah, really record totally. something that would make an impact on people from, you know, the purpose of doing that documentary. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. it's 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 hard work on you guys, but then it benefits everybody. Yes, you know, yes. yeah, it, yeah, I know about those kind of things. It really, yeah, I do worry about the glaciers, you know, oh, with, yes. with global warming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's so, something uh-huh. um, I also want to... Um, address to everybody uh, that is listening to this is also um, I know the pandemic with the COVID-19 is very scary but at least it's from the same family as SARS they both belong to the coronavirus family Mm -hmm. so from the scientist friends I have um, working at you know United Nations and and they're just climate scientists that I've met through acquaintances and stuff Um, I knew this for a while now but ever since the glaciers have been melting there has been at least 28 unknown viruses that's been exposed (laughs) to uh, that we've never seen before in the last 15,000 years or longer. They they can be dormant. They cannot be, you know, they can be harmful. We do not know. But at the rate the glaciers are melting, there's some ancient viruses that are coming back. So um, I think it's important for people to understand that if we do not protect this right now, uh, using the tech and design and um, awareness that we have, the future generation is going to be in big problem. Wow, just learning so much from Jan Chan about the environment. But we're going to hear more from her next week. So tune in to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. 
Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC, on 9405 kilohertz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC, on 9405 kilohertz. And in Southeast Asia, from 0300 to 0400 UTC, on 15320 kilohertz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kilohertz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to PO Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's PO Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International. Thank you.